Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre- and post-game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. ESPN LA 710. Hey, thank you so much for joining me here on ESPN LA 710. I'm speaking with Mr. Everett Glenn, founder and CEO of ESP Education and Leadership Institute. He's going to tell us all about what you can do to help them sustain an effort that is leveraging the power of sport to help boys develop the discipline, habits, and skills to succeed beyond sport. Welcome to the show. Welcome Thank back. you for having me. Yeah. Always a pleasure to be here. I always enjoy our conversations. And uh, I saw on LinkedIn that you had posted this uh, post about STEAM, critical thinking, writing, and related fields for Long Beach Gives, which is happening September 19th. And everyone can go to longbeachgives.org org and support boss that's right we hope they do that it's a 24-hour online fundraising campaign for 75 uh, nonprofits in long beach who uh, they don't just service long beach kids for example our program we service kids who live in los angeles and inglewood and compton and carson and orange county uh, so we're just housed in long beach and while we do service uh, a lot of Long Beach kids, we service kids all over Southern California. And actually, the proceeds from this effort will help us expand BOSS uh, to Cal State Dominguez so we can serve more boys in the South Bay. Great. And everyone can, again, go to longbeachgives.org and donate to BOSS. Now, talk about BOSS for us. Well, as you mentioned, uh, it's a year-round and multi-year effort. Uh, I'm a retired attorney, and at one point during my career, I represented pro athletes like Jerry Rice and Richard Dent and Reggie White and Clark Kellogg and Gil Bird and Willie Galt and them kind of guys. And so we helped them turn their 15 minutes of fame into a lifetime of good fortune. And along the way, we saw that that 1% of guys who make it, uh, there's 99% of them who don't make it. And even amongst the 1%, uh, helping them transition and, and leverage that success to a second career or a second life is is a challenge. And and so we decided six years ago to start that process in middle school to catch them young and, and start focusing on math and science and argumentative writing and critical reading and non-cognitive skills development so that uh, so they'll be high school ready, entering ninth grade, and then college ready entering high school. Now, when you were representing all these athletes, did you automatically recognize the need for such programs? Oh, absolutely. In fact, that was um, one of the reasons or the main reason we got into uh, the business of representing them. I mean, not so much to make money, uh, but really to make a difference in their lives because, you know, I've been following sports from the time I could walk. And and then we know that uh, far too many of them, I mean, uh, Sports Illustrated has estimated 80%. I don't think it's that high. But far too many of them uh, wind up broke, uh, unemployed, unemployable, divorced uh, when their careers end. And, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. But uh, the reason they can't sustain is that they haven't developed the skills um, 
to do anything but play sports. And so when sports is over, mm-hmm. nobody's showing them how they could take that same uh, persistence, mm-hmm. which is more valuable than talent or education or skill, mm-hmm. how they can take that persistence to succeed in something else. And so uh, we decided that you know, we would take the lead. And um, five years later, uh, we got about 150 kids. In fact, our first senior, uh, Clark Phillips, uh, we met Clark uh, three years ago. He was a standout ninth grader and uh, not so much a standout in class. Uh, but he was standing out on the football field. Mm-hmm. And, and today, you know, we're going into year four. He's the fourth-rated cornerback in the country. Uh, he just committed to the Ohio State University, and he's a full qualifier, and he will actually enroll in Ohio State early. So he'll be actually graduating high school early and enrolling in Ohio State in December. Fantastic. So, so we know that it works. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's just like AA, it, it works if you work it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So with the transferable skills that athletes have, like we, t- we talk about that a lot. And I think we talked about this on the last time you were here about how many transferable skills athletes have going into the workforce that they're able to use, but just need to access how they can do that. Athletes aren't you know, they aren't dumb no. to to be presented with the skills or the tools to be able to transfer that. Can you talk about some of the programs that you have that show these young athletes how they're able to do that? Well, for sure. I mean, the, the whole program, that's the, really the basis of the whole program is putting them, first of all, they have to realize, okay, that, that these skills that they develop in sports, are transferable. That's the first step. That they many of them don't even realize that they're, develop, they're developing transferable skills. And and so once you can help them understand that they're developing these skills, then you have to put them in situations and create circumstances so that they have to use the skills. I mean, for example, they play before you know sixty, seventy, eighty thousand people in football and, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 people in basketball. So if you can play in front of all those people, then you should be able to speak in front of 500 people. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if but you got to be put in that situation. So, for example, we one of our kids, Micaiah Williams, <clears throat> he's <clears throat> going into his fourth year with us or third year. And he's he'll be a, he's a 10th grader now at St. Anthony's in Long Beach and uh, there was an event that the NFL Hall of Fame presented over at Trade Tech, and they brought about five or 600 kids. And so we took a group of our kids there, and at the end of the day, they wanted one of the kids to speak to the five or 600 kids about what they got out of the day's sessions, right? And, and so we just volunteered McCann, and who had never probably spoken – to anybody who wasn't sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, you know, we have lots of sayings in the program. You know, one of them is you work on your game, you might make a living. If you work on you, you can make a fortune. Right. And, uh, and we also let them know that, you know, just like <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a spiritual program, but the spiritual principles that we employ in, 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 this, in the Bible, there's, uh, there's scripture that talks about uh, Jesus called out to the guy to come out to the water. 
And, and then it says as he was beginning to sink, <laughs> God mm-hmm. reached his hand to him, so prevented him from sinking. So we tell the kids, we're going to put you in the deep water, but we're not going to let you sink, right? We'll be right yeah. there with you. So, you know, we volunteered McCann. He got up there, and <laughs> he told us, you know, what he had learned from the day. He got a standing ovation. Uh-huh. And... uh and then he called his mom. He said, that felt better than making a three-point bass. <laughs> right? Uh, right. <laughs> but he had never done that in his life. And now that he's done it, and so then next thing up, we had him talk at our banquet in front of, you know, 250, 300, you know, business leaders and, you know, educational leaders and community leaders. And so that's what you got to, you know, and once you put them in these positions, the first time is going to be, you know, harder than the second time. Mm-hmm. And the, and the second time will be easier than the first. And and, <clears throat> and over time, then they'll develop these skills uh, that, I mean, first of all, school is not even about, like, non-cognitive skill development. I mean, they're just basically trying to memorize mm-hmm. concepts, not really learning to critically think. Right. And that sort of thing. So that's, I mean, we, we, we know what the skills they need to have. Again, we know they have to be persistent. Uh, they have to be resilient. They're, They've got to be accountable. Uh, They've got to be responsible. And so we put them in situations where they have to do these things. Um, we, we take another kid uh, to an event, the National Association of Minority Contractors. You know, these are architects and engineers and uh, construction uh, workers, everybody in that construction food line. And then the major companies like Turner and Clark and Kiewit and Scans and that kind of thing. And, and we take a group with us. And then we just introduce them to people, and then we make excuses. Well, look, I got to go to the bathroom, or I got to, you know, I got to take this call. Mm-hmm. So we leave them there with this adult that they just met. Okay, and so now they have to start a conversation, right? And and they have to talk about something other than sports. <laughs> or I mean, <laughs> right. they can start off talking about sports, but the people that they're talking to are going to turn that conversation to, okay, well, what else do you do? Mm-hmm. And what else do you want to do? I mean, we had a kid that um, we took to Jesse Jackson's uh, annual birthday party where he has, you know, who's who of folk coming or who show up. And on the ride from Long Beach to Beverly Hills, this, I was talking to the kid about what he wanted to do uh, besides play football, and he said he wanted to be a trainer. And and so I had him on his phone figure figure out how much trainers make. And he realized early that he couldn't live in my house <laughs> if he was just a trainer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and I don't have the biggest house in the world, but it's a nice house. And uh, and then I told him, well, okay, well, now the trainer that you have that takes you to the park, he probably don't have a degree. So let's look at what you can make if you get a degree. Ah. Okay, and then, you know, with a couple more years, you could be on your way to medical school. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, with another year, you you, you might become... Uh, you know, they, they have doctors who just work with athletes since you want to work with athletes. And so he went from $40,000 to 600000 right, in terms of orthopedic surgeons. And so he got to this event, and the first person he met was Arnold Hackett, who was the vice president of Xerox. And Arnold was asking him, you know, what he want to do? And he said he want to play football, and, you know, well, because that's, I have a passion for it, and if I could get paid to do something that I love that would be great mm. he says okay well what else if you don't do football what you're gonna do he says i'm gonna be an orthopedic surgeon <laughs> <laughs> and and so we have these conversations with him too to get him to think and because they haven't done this kind of you know i mean he he didn't even know what the guy who works with him he never thought about what that guy makes he just thought it would be fun to do that and it could be fun to do it but it may not pay the bills yeah 
And so that's what we do. We just put them in situations. And again, over time, the more situations you create and the more folk you bring in to show them and talk to them, uh, not talk to them, but more involve them in conversations, mm-hmm. uh, then we see uh, the results like uh, Clark Phillips, who again was uh, you know, a shy kid, but great football player. And now he's a standout person. Right. Who, who who already knows that if football don't work, uh, then he's still going to go pro in something. Right. And there there's always these preconceived ideas of what an athlete can do or achieve. And to break those type of thought processes that uh, a young athlete might be hit with on a daily basis, to have a program like BOSS, like what you do for these young athletes, it's not just a hit and miss type of thing. You you stay with them from the very beginning. Oh, and so, I mean, like Clark Kellogg who was the original boss. Clark Kellogg, I met him in 1982. And and we just had lunch about a month ago uh, when he was out here on some business. And so that's like, you know, 30, 40 years or something. So, yeah, I mean, our plan is to stay with these kids and then again, we take them like the thing that I was, uh, the, the Hall of Fame presented. That was just a one-day event that they were putting on. So we go to these events. We call them drive-bys. Because like you said, it's really hard to make any kind of impact, you know, spending a few hours with a kid. I mean, you, you might inspire him while you're in his presence, but then when you leave, uh, he'll forget your name mm-hmm. or what you actually talked about if he doesn't see you anymore. So, yeah, that's really what sets us apart is uh, the fact that it's year-round and multi-year. And then there's also a train-the-trainer aspect uh, with the end result of uh, really dealing with this myth that all these kids are are athletes. And so like this summer, for example, in our camp, we had our seniors who were actually uh, serving as uh, ambassadors. So while they were in the program, they were actually also working the program oh. and getting paid uh, to be there. And then, you know, we'll give scholarships to them as they go on to college. And, uh, yeah, so it's a, it takes a time. I mean, <laughs> for, for anybody, for me, you, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, know, you can't just be exposed to somebody or something or some, you know, opportunity once mm-hmm. and that changed your life. I mean, I know I've heard people say, you know, I met this player, you know, one time, and and that changed my life. But I I, I would beg to differ because in between that time you met that player, they met all kind of other people, had all <laughs> kind of other experiences, and uh, they, these other people may just said the same thing that that player said. But these other people had more impact because they were around longer. Right. Well, Everett, you were and are a very successful sports lawyer, and you've helped transition athletes into their new life. How has mentors played a role in your life? Who are some of the people that inspired you to be who you are? Oh, I mean, the list is long. I mean, it starts with... Uh, Fred Perkins, who was my junior high school basketball coach, and and then Robert Vaughn, who was my math teacher in junior high school, and then Hal Payne, who uh, is, he just retired. He was a dean at the University of Buffalo, but he ran the Upper Bound program at Caseworks Reserve, and and so we've been connected since I was like 13 years old. In fact, uh, 
he nominated me for the trio award that I just uh, got, uh, in the, I guess, about six months ago in New York with um, uh, the young lady who played uh, in, what is it, The Help? Viola Davis? Uh, Viola Davis. She also, so Viola Davis and myself, and then the guy who's the executive producer of uh, SWAT, the TV series, the new TV series. Mm -hmm. We all were in Upward Bound when we were kids. Oh, wow. And so they gave us, like, Lifetime, you know, Achiever Awards in New York. And, and Al Payne nominated me for that, and I had met him when I was 12 years old. And uh, and then there was a teacher, Miss Spann, who probably had uh, the most influence. In fact, I just visited her. She's suffering from dementia mm -hmm. in Cleveland. But I met her. And I worked at her husband's drugstore, and then after a while, she had me just come and tutor her three kids. Oh, really? Instead of going to work at the drugstore. Oh. And that's, that's when I saw, you know, families eating together and mm -hmm. <laughs> stuff that I didn't see on the block that I grew up in. And uh, so the list is long, and that's really why I do what I do is because I wouldn't be I wouldn't have had the uh, kind of life that I've had it had it not been for the influence of other people. And thank God, you know, that I'm not the kind of person, you know, that a lot of us, they have success. And then uh, then you never go back to where you come from. You don't try to help other people. You know, you buy into this European, you know, thing about rugged individualism and how you, you, know, you convince yourself you made it on your own mm -hmm. and all this kind of nonsense and uh, and so you don't help anybody else, but uh, that's not how it was built. And so uh, this uh, it's a I really don't have a choice but to do it. And what about some of the challenges that you may have faced? And I'm sure you've had a lot. I mean, we all go through something. How, if you could give us an example of a challenge that you faced and how you went through it or how you got through it. Oh, yeah. Well, drugs. <laughs> That's the biggest challenge uh, that I had. And, and again, we take these uh, principles and these skills that you develop as an athlete. Okay, so I, I, I developed, uh, you know, most athletes, if, they, if they're real athletes, they don't quit. Mm -hmm. right? And then they know that the game is not over until they blow the whistle, the final whistle. As long as there's time on the clock, you still got a chance to win. And so... Uh, when I had an encounter with drugs, uh, I, I was able to draw upon, uh, you know, uh, those kinds of uh, things that I had developed playing sports to knew that I, I wasn't going to let this beat me. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then I was going to do whatever it took to defeat it. Yeah. And so that's, I guess that's the, best and the perfect example and all of our kids by the way they know you know we, we're not perfect people mm -hmm. and so we share with them you know the struggles that we've had so i mean I, it's, I, you talk about obstacles you have well when i had an alcoholic dad who wasn't in my life you know working back from he didn't come to my wedding mm -hmm. he didn't come to my law school graduation my college graduation he didn't come to my peewee football games when i was a kid wow and so that was the challenge to just find other people yeah find other people and that's what we tell these kids so if you don't we're not trying to replace dads or moms or whatever but whatever help you need that your parents can't provide then we're here to help you and that's why we want your listeners to if they can uh, to support this effort through this long beach giving day 
we got an early lead on the other 75 uh, nonprofits, uh, and we got four days. It actually started on uh, Monday, the 9th, it, but the giving day is on the 19th, but you can give at any time between oh. now and the 19th, and including the 19th. Again, that's longbeachgives.org. Uh, I don't know if it's org. Is it dot org? Yes. Uh, it is dot org, yes. And then when you go to the site, there'll be, uh, you know, you can just donate to the cause, which that's fine as well. But then you can also donate to a specific organization. And that organization, if you don't have a specific organization, would be BOSS, B-O-S-S, uh, the Business of Success Beyond Sports, where we're showing our boys, we turn our boys into, we're moving them from dreamers to achievers. Yes. Yes. I'm LaFern Cusack speaking with Mr. Everett Glenn, founder and CEO at ESP Education and Leadership Institute. Dreamers to achievers. Boss, and you develop skills, habits to succeed beyond sports with the emphasis on STEAM, critical thinking, writing, and related fields. Uh, I work with a lot of uh, younger people, and I've found that uh, the basis of critical thinking is, is well, lacking so, a lot. So, so if, you, you, if, you go, if you work backwards from the, see, we believe, and we're not the first people, I mean, we, I, I read this from somebody else, but if you, if you tell kids, they're going to forget. If you teach them, mm-hmm. they might remember. But if you involve them, then they will learn. And so that's what we do. Everything we do, we involve the kids. So we're not teaching. We're having conversations, and they're engaged in it. And so they have to develop these critical thinking skills. I mean, for example, we, we, one session we were with them, uh, and we were talking about velocity and momentum and centrifugal force, these concepts, okay? And so rather than tell them what velocity and momentum and centrifugal force are, we asked them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, if, and, and we found, and so, has anybody ever been on a roller coaster? <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. And everybody raised their hand because everybody's been on a roller coaster, right? Okay, so now who, who can tell the group how the roller coaster works? And then they look at each other and say, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, how does it work? I mean, and okay, so then the guys, one of the kids, you know, raised hand, so he starts describing. Okay, you get in the car, and then they strap you in, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why do they have to strap you in? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and they have to answer that, right? And we're not going to go until somebody gives us an answer about why they strap you in. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, well, after they strap you in, then what happens? Well, the roller coaster goes up. Okay, well, why does it go up first? Why doesn't it go down? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what happens after it reaches its peak? Then what does it do? Okay. Then it goes down. Okay. Now, does it go all the way down straight? No. Okay. Well, why doesn't it go all the way down straight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we have these conversations, and, and then after we have the conversation, then we put them in groups, and then we build roller coasters, right? We build roller coasters out of the spaghetti that you, I don't know what they call it, but like the it's noodles. Fun. Uh, the noodles, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the noodle has a little groove in the middle. So we put them in groups of four or five, depending on how many kids are with us on that day. And uh, we give them as much noodle as they want, uh, one marble, and tape. 
and then they have to build a roller coaster. And you know, and I'm telling you, every group does it successfully. And when I say successfully, I mean the marbles got to go through and stay on the track. Mm-hmm. The entire, I mean, they have double and triple loops they build them with, and loops that go sideways, and they, they get as creative as you can imagine. Yes. And uh, and so one group, uh, so they had you know two or three double loops and. And then they had a loop that went sideways, and so the marble had made it through all the loops, and then when it got to the sideways loop, it stopped, right? And uh, so we just asked them. We don't talk. What's the problem? What happened? Okay. Uh, and you, okay, well, we need more momentum. Okay. And, well, how do you create more momentum? And so they looked at each other, and then one of them went and grabbed a water bottle, and on the, 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 you know, the spaghetti part of noodle that they had made flat, uh, then they raise it up and they put the bottle under it to create more velocity, mm-hmm. so which gives them more momentum. And then you put the marble back up, and it ran through perfectly. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, you, just, you got to invest in them. But that's the same as anything else. I mean, if you want something to happen, you know, if you want our kids to do better, if you want your marriage to be better, <laughs> You want uh, your relationship with your friends or your kids to be better. You got to work at it. Yes. And that's one of the key things that I feel that I do is, you know, you've, you know, I've been in at ESPN for like 14 years and, you know, I've seen and heard a lot of stories of people that succeed and may have failed and then come back to succeed again. But the, the main focus is, their self-development like what they have gone through maybe they were a top athlete and got accolades and you know went to the olympics came back and was depressed because they they have no more accolades and i think we talked about this before how about uh, how many student athletes get depressed after college because they don't they don't have that foundation of who exactly they are and it's not it's more than just being an athlete it's your foundation of who you are, and I think that's what why Boss is so unique. It is because I mean, again, in fact, I just on Facebook today, for example, I just uh, commented on somebody's post, and, uh, and this was a grandma talking about her grandson, about how good he is in sports, right? With a picture of him scoring a touchdown or whatever. So I just responded, Boss. Okay, there's a program that can teach him how to do that same stuff, mm-hmm. not just work on his game, but work on himself. And she says, oh, well, there's a program like that in Phoenix that he's involved in. I said, well, what's the name of it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people say there's programs like it. Yes. But when you pull, you know, the curtain open, you see, well, what they're really doing is they're spending 90% of their time working on sports and 10% of the time. It's almost like the cash flow quadrant, mm-hmm. okay, which uh, our kids can tell you about. Okay, and the cash flow quadrant says that uh, and if you've made a square and then you just draw a cross in between the squares, so you get four blocks, right? And then one block you put 5% and, and then uh, and then on and the block next to it you put 95% and then you put 5% and 95%. So the, the concept is that 5% of the people make 95% of the money. Mm. And 95% of the people make 5% of the money. Mm. Okay, and then and the ninety-five percent of the people who make five percent of the money 
those are employees right. and workers, right? And the five percent of the people who make ninety-five percent of the money, <clears throat> those are investors and entrepreneurs and owners. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same way in terms of uh, uh, there's more to who they are, but you got to first help them understand it and and help them figure out for themselves where do they want to be. I mean, if you work right. on your game, you might make a living. You work on yourself, you can make a fortune. Yes. Okay. Because I never played no NBA or NFL. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, that's, and so we tell them, and then we bring people in, like we just brought a group of former pros, uh, Will Poole and Darnell Bing and Ron Brown and uh, Greg, what is Greg Townsend, and uh, this kid plays Uchenna, and Nawasu plays with the Chargers right now, and they talk to these kids about what they wish they had done different. Mm, like what? When they were, well, first of all, they wish they had to pay attention in school universally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because we had, so because Will Poole, who played at USC with Yachenna, well, he played with Darnell Bing, and they played probably 15 years ago. And Will played with the Dolphins and a couple other teams, and Darnell played with the Raiders and a couple other teams. But Will Poole just graduated with Yachenna. Wow. Nawasu, who's just in his second year. With the charges. Mm-hmm. So he finally did find his way back to school, but it was 15 years later. But Never you know, too late, told, right? Huh? <laughs> Never too late. Never too late. But then he told him, I mean, the reason why, I mean, he was a you know standout athlete, but he couldn't go to college that he wanted to because of grades. Wow. And so he went actually to Boston College. He transferred to USC. But so they shared with the kids like, what you asked me, like, what are the challenges of I had or what kind of mistakes have I made and how I've overcome So they're listening to these guys. They want to be like these guys. And these guys are telling them, you don't really want to be like me. <laughs> okay, because. <laughs> or if you want, you can be like me, but you want to change some things. Okay, yes. Because if I had to pay more attention in school, if I had to, uh, been more open to meeting people instead of thinking everybody's trying to get something from oh, me. Oh, wow. Then. I would have people that I could call up. If I had helped other people yes. when I could, then maybe I could call on people when I need help. Uh, and so it's an invaluable kind of experience. So, And that's just one day. Yes. And one experience with them. And then the next time, then we we talking about the big five of money, how to make it and keep it and protect it and preserve it and grow it. Yes. With a guy who was the first black guy to graduate from Vanderbilt's uh, business school who also was a Division One uh, basketball player and tennis player. So we're putting people in front of them who, who represent what we talk about. So it's not like I'm the only person who did it. Or I mean, there's lots of guys who have done this, but, you know, media and just the way we are, we focus on the negative. So we focus on the guys who, you know, who get caught up mm-hmm. or who, who, who don't uh, transition well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't talk about the Clark Kellogg's who, who went from you know Ohio State to Indiana Pacers, and and then the day after his career ended, five years later because of injuries, went to work for the Pacers. Wow. You know, and then went to work for ESPN, and and then replaced Billy Packer on CBS College Basketball, and then is just finishing a nine-year term on the board of trustees at the Ohio State where he went to school. We don't talk about those guys. Mm-hmm. We talk about Antonio Brown. 
Yes. Well, talk about Antonio Brown. Last week you went to the men's conference in, in Long Beach, correct? Was that? that was at uh, Cal State Dominion. Oh, okay. Yes. So tell us about what you did and the conversations you had. Well, I mean, I mostly listened, uh, and uh, they were just, you know, again, talking about what we always talk about. <laughs> it is what, uh, uh, what can we do to help these kids uh, do better? What can we do to get them to become involved in the communities that produce them? Uh, you know, because, you know, we, they should be benefactors of programs because they benefited from programs to get to where they are. Now they're making, you know, millions and, and they won't donate $5 to nothing. Well, and it's not the responsibility of, you know, pro athletes, to, you know, to raise up the community. That's everybody's responsibility. But the reason none of this stuff happens, which is what they're talking about, are, is because we don't invest in them when they're younger. We don't look at them like resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and so I mean it doesn't make a difference. They didn't have to be athletes because they're no, they're developing the same way the kids who are not athletes. Yeah. <laughs> because we're not investing in them, and so our idea is to uh, uh, like a little yeast spreads through the whole loaf kind of concept. Where right. we we probably have now eighty five percent of the kids play sports, and there's fifteen percent of them who don't play, but they're friends of the kids who play sports. So that's how we ultimately want to get to the whole loaf. Mm-hmm. It's just going through the kids who play sports, uh, but they, you know they talked about you know typical problems like you know how do we uh, these kids are not graduating you know they, they they got all this you know catching cases every time you turn around they're putting their hands on women uh, you know they're just they're just doing stuff that you know I mean not, I think again it's not because they're athletes it's because they the, the coach at San Francisco said it best the new coach of last year, uh, and they were asking him, okay, this is his first head coaching job, and how's he going to be able to evaluate players and all this kind of stuff because the speed of the game is different at the pro level than the college level. And, you know, he responded, you know, well, it's not the speed of the game that I'm most concerned about. It's the speed of life. And that's what they're not prepared to keep up with, the speed of life. And yeah. so it doesn't make a difference what you do. If you're not prepared to keep up with the speed of life and then they put you in a situation like where you might be making hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, mm-hmm. just an accident waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah. But but it's also like you were saying, the preparation for making those millions of dollars. And when you get your first check in, you know, not having your mind blown that oh, my goodness, I have a million-dollar check in my hand, and I've never had money before in my life. Yeah, yeah. well, we, we had we, we had to we take them to a whole financial literacy uh, program, I mean, like uh, 12 weeks, okay? And so we start off with the relationship between earning power and education, okay? So they know that if you, I mean, all things being equal, if you've got a high school education, this is the kind of money you're going to make, okay? Now, you could be one in a million to come up with some idea, you know, and, and commercialize that. But generally speaking, if you got a high school education, you can make minimum wage. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you got a college degree, you're gonna make this kind of money. If you have a master's degree, you're gonna make this kind of money. If you got a PhD, you're gonna make this kind of money. Okay. We and then and we talk about internships and and work experience and and volunteering and how do you get positioned to wind up in one of these four categories: high school, college, master's, or PhD. And and then, okay, now that you know the kind of money that they make, now we're going to figure out what the taxes are. So we're going to give each of you a tax table. 
Okay, and so you have to figure out what the taxes you have to pay on your earnings. And so we assign some of them with high school degrees, some of them become doctors and lawyers and, and you know, just randomly. And then they have to figure out, so they already know, our kids already know that the, the $50 million contract the guy signed, he's never going to get $50 million. Because mm-hmm. Uncle Sam taking 40%. <laughs> right. They know that. But, but many of these players, they don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the first, I mean, when I represented guys, I mean, the first thing, first question I got was, what is FICA, man? Right, right. <laughs> why is, why, why they is taking money out of their check, right? Why is FICA taking my money? Yeah. ESPN LA 710. from Cusack speaking with Mr. Everett Glenn, founder and CEO at ESP Education and Leadership Institute. So this young gentleman asked me, uh, you know, he's thinking about coming to LA and he and he was talking about, you know, he wanted to go into sports announcing and all that and how much money do, do I think he needs to survive here? <laughs> and that was like he goes, "What type of salary do you think, you know, I should I was like, "Well, if you ask for a $100,000 salary, which, you know, cuz LA is ex- Expensive. Yes. You're only taking home sixty four thousand, so exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so sixty four thousand by twelve is five grand. <laughs> six grand and so, you know, your house you know, rent or a house note and yeah. gas and everything else. Yeah, so we, we get them to we had those kind of conversations. It's not just a one off though. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we we've talked uh, we talk every year multiple times about money. And how to make it grow. I mean, we start off with showing pictures of Monaco videos and Monaco and, and you know, the Maybox and, and all these fancy cars and, and everything. And, uh, and then we tell them, like, now you've got to have a net worth of $5 million to even go here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, so you, this is just pictures and videos. You, you never see this. Yes. Here's what these people do to get over here. So, and we're not trying, trying to, you know, push them to become whatever, but just all that they were created to be but have you seen that where there are some parents that push them push their child athletes so much that they just well that's one of the biggest challenges we have is to um get kids to stick with the program Mm -hmm. Uh, because as they go up the you know we we meet them in middle school where sports you know it's not really a year-round endeavor but then as they get into high school now the high school coach is demanding more of their time, and they feel like they got to be training when they're away from school and, and getting coaching when they're away from school. So the, now, you know, the, the challenge is to make time. But again, we just take them back to the principle that if you work on your game, you might make a living. If you work on you, you can make a fortune. And so you, you really should take the time. But that is a challenge as they grow up the ladder because the coaches, many of them who – uh, have not achieved the kind of success that we aspire for these kids uh, really become an obstacle to their long-term success. Because you can't teach somebody how to do something you haven't done. And so a lot of these coaches, especially the youth coaches, and even high school coaches where you might not, I mean, I guess you have to have a degree, but the degree could be in anything. And uh, so, and they have lots of influence over these kids. And and so they're telling the kids, you know, well, instead of going over here to boss on Saturday morning uh, and, and, and learning how to read and write and think critically and <laughs> develop persistence, you, you need to come over and play this game. And the game don't start till 4 o'clock. And we from 9 to 2. 
You can leave anytime you need to leave. If you, cause we know you got a game because all the kids play sports, so we know that's a challenge. But you don't have to not come because you have a game at four o'clock. Because what you gonna do from the time you wake up to four o'clock? Well, <laughs> that's interesting. So, d- did you read the post that uh, Kobe sent out about the young lady that didn't attend the game because she had a recital? Uh, I didn't. What did he say? Well, let me see. Okay, so... (laughs) He was was congratulating her for doing the recital? No, he said, here's a picture of all the girls except one um, who went to a recital... I'm paraphrasing here. Mm -hmm. Who went to a recital instead of uh, coming to the game, and you can tell where her commitment is. Well, yeah, but see, again, that's... uh, Now, Kobe... You know, sports worked for him, mm-hmm. but there's 10 million guys who thought they was going to be Kobe who didn't become Kobe. Okay, and so on that team, for example, probably none of them are going to become Kobe. Yes. <laughs> okay, so when you talk about commitment, it doesn't mean you don't have a commitment because you have what you have is a conflict. Yes. And the question is, how do you resolve this conflict? And so we teach kids how to make decisions, okay? They, they call it decision science, okay? And so you have this conflict, and how are you going to resolve this, okay? So first of all, let's look at the game, okay? Is it the championship game, okay? Is, is it a preseason game? Like the Rams, for example, they just played the whole preseason, and none of their starters played it down. Right. <laughs> okay, because it ain't that important in preseason. So depending on what kind of game, you might want to miss it or might, you know, you know, not feel bad about missing because you have this other thing over here that you've also, she also made a commitment to her music or whatever right. it was, this recital. She made a commitment to that too. So why can't she honor that commitment depending on, uh, you know, the importance of the game? I mean, the recital, that's like a performance. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe like once, you know, a year or it could be for a scholarship or something like that. So that's pretty important. But if this game, we tell these kids, okay, so you're in the, you're in the uh, seventh grade. Okay, this game you want to go to, you could score 200 points. It wouldn't make a difference <laughs> in your life because you're only in the seventh grade. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And so it's not that important. But this coaches, te- we have coaches call mandatory practice the day before a boss event. Okay, and so... Uh, I mean, before our Saturday when we get together, and then we get a call from a mom where the coach called practice, and he says it's mandatory. Well, but the coach, he don't even respect your time. Yeah. Because how he's going to tell you at 8.30 on Friday night that you got to be here tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Like your son don't have nothing else to do. <laughs> but, but that was my thing when I read it. I was like, I know, like, my son, he's six, and he had karate he also had soccer and it's me that's running my son's schedule i mean i'll say hey david did you want to go to the soccer game or did you you know karate we have conflicting things going on here yeah, so but you're making that decision but it, it now as they get older somebody got to teach them how to make this decision okay and again it's not that big of a decision now you because if you go to the coach Mm-hmm. Okay, but these parents, they don't think they can talk to the coach. They think the coach, I don't know who they think the coach is. The coach is not running their life <laughs> or their kid's life. And and so you just say to the coach, just have a conversation. Look, coach, we have this conflict. What do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. Put it on the coach. Yeah. 
And if you do that, I bet you the coach will say, look, okay, well, this game ain't that important. Okay, if you got to go over here and this is more important, then you do this. And so Kobe, nobody taught him. But, again, he was such an amazing athlete, it mm-hmm. didn't make no difference. Yeah. Because he was going to become the greatest of all time. But there's only one of them. Yes. <laughs> and, and then there's 100 or 99 of these other kids who might not even make the high school team. Yeah. From right. the time we see them in middle school, they might not even make the high school team. Yeah. So you've got to be about something else because you might not even. And some of them, we can tell when we see them, they're not good enough right now. So unless they get better, they're not going to make the high school team. Sports is just going to be something that they do for fun after they get in high school. But regardless, it's, that's a teaching opportunity, and it's about priorities, and it's about communication because you go and you talk to your coach, mm-hmm. you know, and then you talk to the people with this recital. I mean, because it could be, I mean, is there any way to move that? Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. But you got to talk. You can't just, I mean, it's not like a black and white where I got to decide today without any additional information which one of these I'm going to do. Right. And, and then if I don't do this, then I'm not committed. Well, yeah. Yeah, and, you, know, you just have a conversation with the coach. and Because uh, we've had to do that where our kids have to go to the coach and say, look, man, I'm in this program, you know, and it's a year-round program, and my commitment is to sport. And to this team, um, but unless, uh, but in the event of a conflict, what I'm going to do is figure out, you know, what's more important at that time, that day. Right. And so, if this is a preseason game <laughs> that doesn't mean anything, then I'm going to go over here. Yeah. And I hope you support that. But they act like they need to get permission, parents, mm-hmm. from these coaches who are not raising their children, who don't really care about their children, other than. If they can help them win a game, they're deferring to the coaches, and then the coaches make decisions that they ought to be making as parents for their children. Mm-hmm. A lot can be said for that. Some athletes come from you know, a place of competition and competitiveness that may they have a level that other people can't reach whatsoever. I think it's good, as you said, to communicate, communicate with your coach, communicate with the players. If there were more communication like that, I think there would be. Everything, Lafern, everything is a negotiation, right? Okay, one of the books these guys read over time is is, there's a book, Robert Jury, and uh, I forget the other guy, but they Harvard guys wrote a book, Getting to Yes. Okay, Getting to Yes. How do you get to yes? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you want your kids to do something. How do you get them to yes? You want your husband or spouse or boyfriend or whoever you want them to do something. How do you get them to yes? Okay, so everything is negotiation. you got to eliminate the the personalities and all that kind of stuff from the process Mm -hmm. to get the yes. But you've got to have a conversation. So, again, if uh, if they look at it like this this dilemma, and, and if I do this, then I'm not committed to that. That's just, uh, that's really reflective of the whole system and the problem in the systems that Kobe, who's the greatest of all time, would say because she got to do something that's constructive. A recital is constructive. It ain't like she, you know, didn't want to go to the game because she just wanted to play video games. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, so that, that means she'd been working at her craft over here as a, as a singer or a you know, a musician or whatever. And for him to say that, again, that's, he don't know nothing about that. But he never done nothing but play basketball his whole life. And But he was the greatest, and so he got the kind of results that would prompt somebody to say that. Yeah. 
but because he doesn't really understand that there's people who fail in basketball. Yeah. Because he never failed. Mm-hmm. There's people who don't make it because he made it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and so he never had to prepare for doing something after basketball because he, he played basketball 20 years and made enough money, he'll never have to do nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's not the experience that most people have. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And so you can't now become challenging people's commitment <laughs> because of the results you got out of sports. Yeah. Because most people don't get that result. But there are a lot of athletes that, you know, take that to heart. And, I mean, I know if a coach said that to me, I would be like. But there's also athletes that if you look, again, if there's, uh, again, Clark Kellogg is an example. Willie Gall is an example. These guys have had long-term life success, and they, they wouldn't have done that if all they knew how to do was bounce a ball or catch a ball mm-hmm. or go practice on that. But they, I mean, uh, Willie Gall, we, we was talking, and it wasn't recent, but one conversation, for example, because we teach them how to leverage the sport to do whatever they're trying to do. So Willie is tired from the game, and he's got this nonprofit, uh, Athletes for Life. And uh, they take uh, mobile uh, health, it's like a big truck, right? Mm-hmm. And they just go to the neighborhoods because they give, you know, high blood pressure tests and all this other kind of stuff to people who won't come to the, uh, won't go see the doctor. They right. bring the doctor to the community. That's great. And uh, and they needed a like an F-150, one of these big trucks, mm-hmm. full this trailer, right? And Willie went to some event at the Marriott and. Uh, on his way to the event he was going in, he saw the ballroom, and he saw, I guess it was an auto show or something going on. And he saw this big F-150 that he need to pull this trailer. Mm. And so he stopped, you know, again, that COVID said, you got if you make this decision, then you ain't proud. So his priority was to go to what he was invited to go to. Right. But he saw this opportunity, so he went and inquired, you know, uh, who, who's behind this? Mm-hmm. Okay, and and then who who are the people associated with this truck over here? Who who can say yes to me? Right <laughs> before he left, he had that truck. Wow, donated to his cause. Wow, that's awesome. But we don't teach him how to do that. Yes, and and so then we can criticize him for making decisions, but Kobe should know better. Even though again, he's had a a, a one way path to success using sports yeah so Uh, again that's not the common experience so one thing that i know there were like for emmett smith like he has so many companies he's always expanding his brand and he has such a strong business sense and he said he learned that from the locker room by you know some of his coaches and his mentors. Yes, yeah, because he didn't come to the league from Florida um, with that mindset. He came to just be a football player. And again, so you you can uh, you, you read and you see about these guys who uh, the best way to become successful is just figure out who's successful at what you want to do, mm-hmm. and then do what they did. Okay, and so uh, if he's trying to become successful, and he's talking, he's hearing. Uh, so you got to work on yourself again. You got to become better. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you try to become better at your sport. And, you know, by practicing and and you know, like if you have this thing that you can't do so well, then you work in the off season try to eliminate that so that the scouting report on you uh, they can't scout you. They can't. You know, so it's the same way 
uh, with your personal development. You got to work on it, and and that's what Emmett did. You know, the same with Magic. I mean, Magic comes out of Michigan State. He wasn't no businessman. He was a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Nothing else yeah. but a basketball player. But then he started developing relationships and and having conversations about stuff other than basketball. Mm-hmm. And and figuring out, okay, well, uh, and then he had to do some stuff, uh, you know, he had to learn how to talk about stuff other than basketball, <laughs> right? Because everybody don't want to talk about basketball. They talk about, I mean, Clark Kellogg would tell a story because he had his insurance license when he was 18, that he would meet people and he would talk about basketball with them because that's what they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then he would turn the conversation to insurance. <laughs> right. He would sell insurance policy to them and, and they would both go home happy. Because right. he was just selling auto insurance and that kind of stuff when he was a kid. One of his benefactors had an insurance agency, so he got him licensed when he was 18. Right. That's kind of li- like Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He, do- he, he doesn't like, like, he likes to talk about other things. <laughs> Is, you know, the jet- yeah, I mean, but he's been, he's been insightful, you know, for, you know, for ages. I mean, you know, he proved he wasn't ordinary when he changed his name, you know. Right, right. And, uh, and took a stand. Uh, you know, when it wasn't popular years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it cost him dearly, you know. Yes. Yeah. And I, and it still is for a, a lot of athletes now, you know. And a, a lot of people say, well, stay out of politics, stay out of this, stay out of, you know, taking a stand for anything and just play, play, play the game. You know, I want to be entertained. Yeah. Well, well, those people will tell you that they don't just do one thing. They, they they do multiple things and they have positions and yeah so but again it 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 uh, that's why your 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 listeners uh, we hope that they would take a look at what we do through the boss program and then uh, this is uh, an opportunity for us to raise uh, unrestricted money mm-hmm. uh, and uh, to support our critical missions. And, and make a difference again, not just in Long Beach, but in uh, communities around Long Beach. Because um, our nonprofit services kids throughout all of Southern California, and and many of these other nonprofits uh, do as well. I mean, if you just look at the names of them, I mean, you can tell that they impact people beyond Long Beach. Right, right. And again, you can go to Long Beach Gives dot org and uh, check out boss and donate and see what you can do and again it's leveraging the power of sport to help boys develop the discipline habits and skills to succeed beyond sport ever can you leave our listeners with a couple of tips to help their child athlete get ahead join the boss family that would be the best advice that i would give them and if not boss Find some other program. I'm not sure that one exists, but okay. Be honest and be fair to your kid. And um, most adults really didn't figure out. Some of them still don't know. Right. I was going to say that. (laughs) And 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 so don't force these kids to make these decisions when we don't really know what their talent is or what their gift is. And sports is just a vehicle. Uh, because, I mean, just because of the nature of it, you're not going to be playing sport, uh, not for money, uh, beyond 40. Mm-hmm. And that's only in baseball. Mm. Uh, and so, and then they have a long life to live. And so, you know, uh, 
expose them to other things because really these, the more exposure that they get, then if they are successful in sport, then they'll be able to take advantage of that opportunity. I mean, so while Kobe was laser focused on basketball, uh, the fact that he had uh, lived in all over the world mm-hmm. gave him a perspective that was unlike yep. his peers. So that, and that's why he's going to have success beyond sports. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's had to deal with people talking different languages. He had to, I mean, he had to, he had to grow up and had to develop all kinds of skills besides basketball. Mm-hmm. Just to, different cultural experiences. Yeah. And so he should know better than to say what he said. But again, he, was, he probably didn't really mean it like it came out. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, because he's going to have to deal with the same thing with his kids. Yep. They're going to have a conflict. Okay, yeah. between sports and something else, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what do you do? And uh, but but I would say is uh, again just uh, just support what they do. Uh, try to find some help for them, and uh, and realize that you have a voice in this whole experience. And yeah. so the coaches, again, they, their word is not the gospel. Yeah. They don't run your household and. And they have to be considerate of your time and other commitments and plans that you have for your son or your daughter. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just, you know, abdicate that responsibility to turn to a coach who uh, you might not see again in life. Yeah. yeah. Once the kid ages out or sizes out of whatever program that yeah. you, you get you in now. And what about if any athletes or coaches out there that would like to participate in the BOSS program and what you're doing, how can they do that, Everett? Well, they can call us at 562-619-8460, They can go to our website, www.esp, like ESPN, without the N, E-S-P-E-L-I dot O-R-G. And then they can go to longbeachgives.org because we do have, an, you know, we have uh, a story that mm-hmm. says, here's what we do, here's how we're making a difference, here's how we're able to produce real impact and measurable results in, in terms of, our boys, uh, for the last four semesters, mm-hmm. have outperformed their peers in everything that the district tracks, from behavior and discipline and attendance and grades and advanced placement, you know, and taking those kind of courses and being high school ready, taking algebra in eighth grade, all these things that they track. <clears throat> and so um, um, it, it works. Yes. And so, uh, but you got to work it yes. for it to work. And so, yeah, we those ways they can get in touch with us. I mean, we'd love to uh, hear from coaches who uh, are, uh, who really mean when they say they want their boys to become successful. Because mm-hmm. their success is not always going to be the result of it. It could be a result of their participation in sports, but it may not be in sport. Mm-hmm. Well, I thank you very much, uh, Mr. Everett Glenn, founder and CEO of ESP Education and Leadership Institute. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is ESPN LA 710.